Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to another special bonus episode of The New Abnormal. And we thank you so much for being here. Today, we have an extra special guest with Princeton historian Kevin Cruz, who's the author of White Flight, The New Suburban History, And today we're going to talk about the controversy in history all around critical race theory, as well as a host of other subjects. But before we get started, I want to remind listeners there's a new way for members to get notified when exclusive episodes drop or when there's a live recording of The New Abnormal. Head to thedailybeast.com slash membership slash newsletters to sign up for email alerts. That's dailybeast.com slash membership slash newsletters. Welcome back to the new abnormal fancy Princeton academic, Kevin Cruz. I'm very fancy. Very, very fancy. You know, I had wanted to talk to you as soon as the moral panic in the schools started. And we should have seen this coming, right? Because this was clearly orchestrated by the right. As soon as this critical race theory and children can't be taught about history because it will destroy them. I don't know what the thinking there is. As soon as that started coming down the pike, I thought of you. Given my reputation for destroying children in schools? Or? <laughs> yes, pretty much, because we all know you hate children. No. Yeah, just can't stand them. That's right. <laughs> the worst. Well, we might are out of earshot right now. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll find out soon. So, but because I, I really thought about how little history the right knows or is interested in. Talk to me about this critical race theory, panic in the schools, Fox News talking point. Well, I mean, uh, before we talk about it, I think it's important to think about why we're talking about it. And and it's clear that we're talking about this because the the Fox News cinematic universe uh, tried to come up with a number of ways to, to hit the Biden administration and couldn't. You know, the, the, the COVID vaccine rollout went pretty well. Uh, still doing, going well, even uh, despite the the push against vaccination in, in red states. Uh, the economy is is, is coming back. Uh, uh, it seems like, uh, and so they had to kind of find a way to land a blow on him. Uh, and and critical race theory seems to be the way to kind of get people angry. And I think it's clear that they seized upon this. I mean, we we don't have to guess. We've got you know people. I think like Chris Rufo have basically giving away the game on on Twitter, explained what it's all about. We want to have this one scary term that's going to be a catch-all for everything that's bad. And so critical race theory sounds scary. It's critical, like it's critical of your race. I think <laughs> right. in theory, oh my God, that's, that's, that's uh, you know, devoid of fact somehow. But look, critical race theory, if you're listening to this and you, you're thinking, of, you know, is this being taught to my kids? If it's being taught to your kids, your kids are in law school. <laughs> right, exactly. We explain that because that is important. Critical race theory comes out of legal studies and you really only get taught it in some law schools, maybe some advanced graduate programs. You're not being taught this in the third grade. Okay, so that's it for starters. The second thing is, what is critical race theory? If you listen to people on the right, the people who are banning this, they say critical race theorists argue that one, race is the most important thing in society, and two, you individually are racist and if you're white and that's bad and you should feel bad. That is exactly wrong. 
what critical race theory, in fact, says is actually race is a social construct. Race, race has no basis in biology, no basis in science. It is something we human beings made up. It is not real. But they say people took it as real and they wrote it into the law. And so even if you know race isn't real, we still deal with the effects of this because it was written into our laws. And you go back to the 1790 Naturalization Act, which said only white people could be naturalized as citizens. Okay, that opens up a whole can of worms. Who counts as white? Right. Right. For a while, the Irish didn't. For a while, the Italians didn't. Jews didn't for a while, right? Even now. There's Supreme Court cases in the 1920s, which are fascinating on this, which critical race theorists look at and are really smart. And there's one where a, a Japanese guy says, oh, you keep saying it's white skin. Look at my skin. And the Supreme Court says, no, we don't mean you. <laughs> we take the scientific term. We mean, you know, Caucasians, right? And so then uh, a man named Thagat Thind, who was, a, you know, a South Asian, says, oh, I am literally from that part of the part of the world. You say it's got to be Caucasian? I come from those mountains. So look at me. I must be that. And they say, no, no, no. It's common sense. We're looking at you. Your skin is brown, right? So the law bends this back and forward to decide who isn't and who isn't white. That's critical race theory. So we're talking about institutions. But the takeaway is it's not about making you feel bad. It's not about blaming you individually. In fact, if you're worried people are putting the blame on individuals, critical race theory is for you. You should be all in favor right. of critical race theory because it says individuals aren't really the issue here. What is the issue here are structures, systems, institutions where the individual racism doesn't really matter. These things work whether or not you personally are saying the N-word at home or not, right? This is still going to proceed. So that is what critical race theory – Better not to say the N-word at home. Yeah, yeah but don't yes. do that. But, yes, but I'm yes. saying that – Don't I think do so that. many people have a cartoonish view of racism that is solely about did an individual white person say or do something that is overtly racist? And what critical race theory says is, no, you got to look bigger than that. It's more than that. And that's more complicated, right? It, it strikes me that what we have here is there's sort of, I'm going to bring up someone no one ever brings up anymore. And I kind of wonder why. We have a sort of Susan Faludi backlash, right? Where we had last summer, a summer of racial reckoning, where we really started to try to begin to look at ourselves and our inherent racism. And then as if that was too much progress, the right was like, we must stop this. And so now we will talk about the dangers of looking at ourselves. Yeah, that backlash exists because I think the realization was that actually, if we are going to reckon with this, it's got to be deep, right? Uh, It can't simply be I mean, it's no accident that in the Juneteenth holiday, a long time in the making, glad to see it, but that can't be the end point, right? There are a lot of people who are, you know, whether it's Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, you know, wearing kente cloth and taking a knee for a yeah, photo op or- That that was not or, a great or, or both parties, you know, rallying behind Juneteenth, hooray, we did it. Okay, yeah, fellow- Federal holiday is great, but that doesn't address the structural, the systemic problems that are at the root here again. And I think that's actually uh, – I'm blanking on, on where I read this. It's not my idea, but I'll repeat it like it is. Good. That's is welcome. Somebody's pointed out that you know one of the reasons that Republicans, I think, are so opposed to critical race theory is it actually says, hey, you've got to do big collective things to correct this, right? You've got to actually – the government's got to get involved. The government's got to do something. We've got to do something together as a society to correct this. And that cuts against the whole – conservative project, right? So I think that's another reason why they've really kind of leaned into this. Conservatives are really for limited government, except when it comes to masks or education or anything that you might think would consider to be limited government, and then therefore big government. Right, yeah. Yeah, there's 
there's been a wave of red states are, are engaged in voter suppression. They're also engaged in, you know, kind of knowledge suppression. I mean, it really is amazing to see how much, in the name of liberty, by the way, in the name of liberty, right. they're out there right. outlawing certain schools of thought, certain subjects you can't teach. I'm one of the authors of the in the 1619 Project. The, the book's coming out in November. Very excited about that and the company I'm in. We're banned in several states already, right? There are several states that have banned a book which is going to have eight to ten uh, historians who have done a pretty prominent job with their work and some Pulitzer Prize winning journalists. Uh, and that's been banned, right? In the name of liberty. So uh, yeah, we're in a ridiculous place right now. It's interesting because you know, I had this grandfather who was a communist who was blacklisted, and then I had this mother who wrote these dirty books who was always getting banned from, like, libraries. They tried to take away her NEA grant. So this feels very much on brand for today's Republican Party and even for the Republican Party of 50 years ago. Yeah, if we're looking for through lines, and everybody said, oh, has Trump changed things or not in the Republican Party? The kind of the, the perennial moral panic about what's going on in the schools is there. I mean, they did this with, uh, you know, uh, American history textbooks back in, uh, in the 1920s and 30s, biology texts at the same time. There was a big panic, obviously, in the 50s with all kinds of literature. They went after comic books in the 50s, were rotting people's minds. Uh, in the 70s, uh, in, in West Virginia. In and communism, too. Yeah, communism, 50s. for sure. But just, I mean, th even things you wouldn't even think were being you know, kind of, you know, quote unquote, capital P political uh, have been targeted. There was a, a textbook uh, war in uh, Kanawha County, uh, West Virginia in 1974 uh, over um, uh, a textbook that kind of taught a, an early version of multiculturalism. It was very soft stuff, but they spun a bunch of lies about it. And you had, you know, kind of giant protests in the street. They put dynamite at the school board building. They, they actually blew up a school. They fired shotguns into school buses, right? So this kind of stuff, it happens all the time, but it can be really dangerous. So uh, I'm both you know, kind of bracing myself and rolling my eyes and as a historian who's written about these things in the past, you know, here comes another one. But at the same time, I know this is, you know, uh, it may be a tried and true tactic, but it's one that can turn ugly and violent pretty quick. It seems like it already has, right? I mean, we saw these people in Virginia getting arrested. It's interesting, though, this is, you know, this is a group that has really doubled down on, they don't like vaccines, they're mad at Fauci, they're mad at different scientists. You know, Peter, Dr. Hotez, Dr. Peter Hotez has been on this podcast a lot, and who's a friend of mine, getting all these terrifying threats. But this is not new to Trump at all. Like, this, this sort of hostility towards knowledge is really like a Republican trope at this point. Yeah, and I think you only have to look back to, you know, kind of the Republicans who came before him. You know, Mitt Romney has done a lot of good grown-up things uh, in recent years, but uh, his presidential campaign was the one where, you know, they had the unskew, the, the polls guy was being promoted and Jack Welch was saying he didn't trust the job numbers and things like that. So there's a real kind of I don't trust the expert vibe there. The Bush administration, you know, sidelined uh, climate scientists at NASA and NOAA. What about even Tipper Gore? Remember Tipper Gore? Tipper, yeah. Oh, this is bipartisan. Yeah. 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 I mean, Tipper Gore was that these musical lyrics were going to cause people to be killers. Right. Wasn't that the... Yeah, the PMRC. Tipper Gore and uh, and Jim, I can, I'm blanking on her first name, Jim Baker's uh, wife led the charge on that. And so it was a bipartisan uh, moral panic. And this is, you know, there's a perennial thing in American politics. Think of Helen Lovejoy from The Simpsons screaming, won't someone think of children? That's a punchline built on, you know, 100 years of history. And there's this constant panic about what is going on in the schools and what is happening in the schools. And it largely relies on misinformation. Again, your kids aren't being taught critical race theory in the school. 
If someone's teaching your kid that they should feel bad simply because they're white, yeah, that's not good. That's not critical race theory. Right. I don't know what that is. They've kind of ginned up the latest outrage uh, in, in an effort to, to kind of to get people mad, to get people uh, mobilized, and, and, and in hopes of harnessing that. We had someone on this podcast who talked about this sort of network of conservative thoughts that the sort of network of conservative thinkers who connect to propaganda networks who connect to these Baptist radio stations and how sort of seamless this transition is and how they're able to sort of get a message out, which is clearly what's happening here. Yeah. no, And we've what's the group? Uh, what? No left turn or something is, is the, the group behind this. And you saw this, you mentioned the, those protests in what it was Loudoun County, Virginia. I saw pictures of these people outside who um, had, you know, very kind of slick mass produced signs that said, I'm a parent against critical race theory. Uh, they clearly been churned out by somebody. And by the way, the people holding them appear to be in their 70s. Uh, I don't think they were, you know, maybe they were. <laughs> I don't want to cast a in right. their life, but I'm pretty sure they weren't parents of middle schoolers, right? But it gets totally ginned up. And then what happens is that money goes to put those people in the street and then people like Fox News, places like Fox News will come around and say, look at all these outraged parents. And in fact, somebody, I can't remember, uh, might've might been Media Matters, did a piece on Fox News had all these, quote, concerned parents speaking out against critical race right, theory. Right. And it turns out both yes. of them were Republican operatives or conservatives, you know, think tanks or things like that. So a lot of it is performative and it's not you know, it's not grassroots, it's AstroTurf. Yeah, AstroTurf protests. That's what I was thinking about. In fact, in New York City, which this is sort of an interesting and new phenomenon, we have a bunch of private schools that have been kind of targeted by the New York Post, and they have had these AstroTurf protests too, though there haven't been any protesters. They have had these, like, mobile billboards, which I was trying to get one of my kids to take a picture of it, and they were like, we are not doing that for you. <laughs> and they were like, we're not going to help you with your social media. Content. And I was like, teenagers are really mean. I thought they were into social media. Come on. And mine are like just so disappointed by my like embarrassing them on several different platforms that they are not willing to help me with content. They're D platform mom, that's their team. But so my sense is that this is like really like the same kind of thing as the caravan. And as we come into the midterms, and I've already seen a reporting on this, the Trump world really thinks that this could deliver yeah. them the midterms. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, the caravan didn't deliver them the midterms in 2018, right? Uh, you know, so uh, they'll certainly try it. I think on that level, I absolutely think it's a cynical political strategy. Um, it, it feels like it's peaking way too soon. I mean, in a way, they're right. trying to... The midterms are a year away. And, you know, the, the Tea Party movement against Obama certainly started this early. But that was something that kind of had a direct connection to him, right? You know, Joe Biden isn't out there writing your, you know, your your local school board's, you know, standards policy. He's not writing, you know, education stuff in, in your state level. So it's a weird thing to try to make a national political issue. And whether it can sustain that kind of steam? I don't know. They will certainly try it. You know, we might get a sense in the off-year election coming up next year, uh, or this year, sorry, uh, we might get a sense of, of how well this plays locally, but I'd be hard-pressed to think that this is going to still be the, the campaign issue in, you know, uh, in the next midterms. It might be, but uh, but I, I don't know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or I prefer Don't you? That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows. I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will, because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands, from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. There was a time when Republicans weren't just all culture wars, right? Yeah. You got to go way back. You got to go way back. There was a time in, so say, kind of the pre, it was the George Wallace, Richard Nixon shift, where Wallace as a, as a Democrat and independent started raising a lot of these social issues, the law and order stuff, talking about what was going on in the schools. And, and Nixon picked those up and that kind of got it into the Republican Party. Reagan as governor of California about the same time, loved to talk about, you know, UC Berkeley nonstop. So that kind of panic about the schools kind of came into vogue in the 60s. In the 50s, if we look at, say, the kind of the anti-communist stuff. But before that, yeah, there wasn't this kind of cultural uh, warfare, or at least not as prominent on the right. And it was more about, uh, you know, kind of limited government, uh, low taxes, kind of the accountant with the green eye shade was the old kind of Republican, right? Uh, worried about the bottom line, thinking about, you know, waste and things like that. That didn't animate enough people, right? And so there's a there's an argument in the party that you've got to start pressing these hot button culture wars issues. And increasingly, that becomes a way in which uh, you unite you unite the different elements of the party. Right. I mean, I guess it works. I don't know how. So, I mean, I know how, but it just, it seems insane to me. So I'm curious to know, we, so we are on the precipice, it looks like to me, of a, of a climate catastrophe. California is incredibly hot. There's a terrible drought. It's fire season, right? Like, it just seems like we are, you know, several states are so hot that if you sit on the asphalt, you can get three degree 
burns. I mean, we're like living in a dystopia. Like we went right from the pandemic to the like, it's too hot drought. It seems to me like a large chunk of this country is not going to take climate seriously until it's too late. Yeah, I think that might be true. And I think it's going to be affecting different people at different times, right? And so California, I think if it was just California burning, I don't think that would really give a lot of, you know, kind of uh, Republicans and red states a uh, real cause for alarm. Fine, let it burn. But it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the Gulf Coast. It's going to be, you know, Gulf Shores, Alabama and, and Pensacola, Florida are going to be getting hit by, by flooding and things. It's, uh, I'm from Nashville. Uh, we've had crazy floods and tornadoes there in the last 10 years. Uh, like we never had when I was growing up. And so I think you're seeing different parts of the country are going to hopefully start to realize uh, this is the new normal or the new abnormal. Here, I'll plug the podcast. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's a real problem. It's going to take some Republicans coming forward and realizing they have to have some kind of climate plan. And we're starting to see a move on that on the right. Yeah, because Republicans do sane stuff all the time. Like, who would do that? Who is sane in the Republican Party who has power? Mitt is basically it. There are a group of Republican senators who I think are sane but are terrified for a variety of reasons to speak out, and they're cowards about that. I think someone like Lisa Murkowski, Pat Toomey, you know, I, I think they are not, you know, they haven't drunk the Kool-Aid, but at the same time, they're locked in on a certain you know, kind of course because that's what the party dictates. And I think they're all terrified, even the ones who aren't up for re-election. Like, Pat Toomey, you're not, uh, what are you doing there? He's out. He's out. He doesn't want to get murdered. Honestly, I think they're terrified of their own base. I think they've, you know, they've ridden the tiger for so long and they don't know how to get off. Well, you saw what they did on January 6th. They were scared. But it is interesting to me, and I wonder if we're going to get to a place. I, I, we're not supposed to talk about this. You're never supposed to talk about this, but I want to talk about it because I feel like you understand the history of this. Is there a world in which these blue states secede? I mean, it's possible i think it's incredibly problematic uh you know we, we think of the of the us as you know a, a set of distinct regions but you know no state is entirely blue no state is entirely red they're all a mixture thereof and we're so intertwined and caught up with each other at this moment you know if the blue states secede are they leaving you know nasa behind right. or you know uh, what who gets what in the divorce uh, there's a lot that's any type of nuclear weapons, which would not be good. Right. I mean, you ha but you have this minority rule, right? You have these 50 Republican senators represent 43 million less people or something, right? So we are living in this minority rule state that's only going to get worse. Yeah. I mean, demographically, you know, by, by like 2040, I think, what is it, 30% of the Senate will represent 70% uh, of the country and vice versa, uh, which will be kind of deeply unbalanced. The system is already lopsided for the people who are currently represented by the Republicans. It's lopsided for them in the Electoral College, in the Senate, in a variety of ways. So, yeah, something's got to give. There are a couple things they could do right now. You know, they're not going to abolish the Electoral College right now. They can certainly do away with the filibuster in the Senate, but they could also enlarge the House. You know, the, the House used to stay, you know, used to grow in size every about 10 years or so. We thought we were about the 1920s. 435 isn't written into the Constitution. It's just where we stop the clock, right? So you could add a number of seats to, to make the average congressional district the, the same size it used to be, you know, for 100 years before that. And that would actually kind of balance out the disproportionate strength that the Republicans have in the Senate. But there doesn't be will to do that. Why won't they do that? I think they're just so wedded to the status quo. I mean, it might be, and I have no inside knowledge here, but it might be that, you know, for 
House members who have gotten that way in that system and have that much power, they don't want to change the system and give it up. Right. It does seem like our government is really, really, really stuck in its current formation. And what is happening, right, is we have people, we have situations where, like, Donald Trump is president and you have, like, lunatics, Republicans in the House, sort of trying to take over the country and, you know, they're representing a very small group. Yeah. And and, and for the moment, it works. Uh, we'll see if, if that kind of friends group, as it takes over the party, if it continues to drive other people away. I mean, uh, the Republican Party is, in one way, kind of demographically in a death spiral. You know, they have catered more and more to not just a part of the country that is and writing off the rest, uh, but to an element of society that, you know, you don't need an actuarial table to know that if you've based your party on you know, white people 60 and over, that's not going to last for a long time if you're losing younger generations. So um, it works for the moment, but uh, we'll see if it, if, it, if it maintains for them. I mean, if we get to a place where there's an election in 2024 and there's a Trump or a DeSantis who wins enough states, you know, so it's close, and then Michigan, you know, the Republicans in Michigan decide that they're going to throw out the election, which is, you know, we're, I mean, not Michigan, but there are certain states where they're making it so partisans can overturn election results they don't like. Texas is probably not going to be a swing state, but there certainly are places. We could see a world where we have like 2,000, but a hundred times worse, right? Oh, oh yeah, we're, we're heading there. Even, even without that, even without a state doing the unthinkable and tossing out its results just because of partisan hackery, we're on a course to make 2000 look like nothing. 2000 was one state was in doubt because of about 500 votes. And then 2016 was, what, two or three million? Uh, uh, and then move ahead to, you know, let's say 2024, 2028, we have, say, the Democrat wins the popular vote by... 10 million, but loses the electoral college. That could happen. And that would be the system working exactly how it's poorly designed. But that's even without anyone kind of, you know, throwing monkey wrenches at the at the state level, right? And that you know, in and of itself would be a incredible crisis for democracy, for American democracy. I mean, the fact that the Biden administration can't get a voting rights, I know that HB1 wasn't a good bill and that there was a lot of stuff in there that was not great and not what people wanted. And I understand that. But like, the reality is, it looks like we're not going to get anything. And I don't know how we continue on like that. Yeah, if, if nothing passes Congress this year on voting rights, I think it'll be a total disaster. Because all these state restrictions that go through will will, will be in place. And you will have the, the kind of the trust in democracy at the, at the grassroots totally eroded. I mean, Democrats keep asking people to come out and vote for them and to wait in lines that are now hours long, to jump through hoops for voter ID and drop boxes and all kinds of things to, to get their vote in. They've got to make it count. And I realize it's unfair to blame all Democrats for this because it seems to be just a few holdouts in the Senate. But the party itself has to lean on those people in order to bring them in line. And they they can't just simply throw up their hands and say, well, Manchin and Cinema won't do anything. Uh, they've really got to put the screws on them and really make it clear. And it's up to us to do that as well. Call your senators, call your congressmen, call your people in your state house. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about running for office, hopefully if you paid attention to state level politics anywhere near you, you've learned that it can be an incredibly low bar uh, to get into office. Yeah. 
And also Congress. Yeah, yeah, and also Congress. So please, run for office, right? We need good, smart people at every level, especially in the states. I think Democrats and, and people on the left in general have kind of ignored what's going on in state-level politics for far too long, and hopefully they're waking up and we'll, uh, we'll get engaged and get involved. But, but keep the pressure up. Because uh, this can't simply be a thing where we say, oh, well, we couldn't get it done and walk away because so much depends on protecting the vote. Yeah, I mean, I I absolutely think that it seems inevitable. This was so great. Thank you, Kevin. Please come back soon. My pleasure. Let it be on any time. On that note, we'll wrap this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking to smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science, will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.